How's everybody doing? Yeah, you guys are lively today. This is good. This is real good. Um, excited about that. Uh, real quick, that meeting is for those that are looking to be a member. So if you're already a member, you don't have to worry or stress. All right. So uh, if you're looking to be a member here at and you're trying to look to see what's um, the church is all about, uh, of course, and if you signed up, jump into that. If there's room, we'd love to have you. If you're new here and you're just like, you know what, let's do it. Let's jump in. Uh, we'd love to have you too. So that is that. Excited to uh, jump into part two of How to Love Others. Uh, this is a marriage series, and we started it last week, and it made sense. We started on Valentine's Day weekend. That makes total sense. And some of you were like, dude, you were really negative last week. And <laughs> that's all right, right? I was trying to bring it down a little bit. The whole point last week was to help us understand that we so often put other people in place of who God is. And we look to a person to make all of our hopes and dreams come true. And God's like, look to me to allow all your hopes and dreams come true. That's what we are supposed to do. And so often what we do, we put a person in there. And when that person fails us, because they will fail us no matter what, right? We've been, if you've been married one year, five years, 10, 20, 30, you could probably get up here and testify about how your significant other <laughs> failed you. And of course, they're not God, so it makes sense. And of course, it's our job to act as Christ and forgive the one that has offended us. So we're looking at this, and we said a few different statements as well. And one statement was simply this, is if you're not... If you're not ready to be single, you're not ready to be married. Um, and that's so true. Some of us, uh, we go along and we just look for that certain person, certain person, certain person. And God's wanting you to step back a little bit and focus on him. And it's his timing that is, of course, correct. Uh, this last week, we're trying to ramp up our social media. And we're, like I said, we're doing a lot of different things uh, coming up here with the website and with the app and all that. that we're going to be, but we're trying to ramp up the social media. And um, it was kind of interesting this last week, we... Uh, posted, um, Hunter and Ryan were able to get on there, um, you know, what marriage advice you would give. And there was, this was probably our largest post yet. A lot of people are wanting to give some good advice. You ready? But here was some of the first ones. It started off pretty weak. I'm going to be honest with you. So this is some of the marriage advice. I'm not sure who this gentleman is. He's just put, don't get married, right? That was <laughs> right out of the gate. We're like, bro, like what in the world, man? Like what's going on here? Um, the second one was, I got nothing. Crickets chirping in the background. Um, third one gets a little bit better. It says, uh, never go to be mad. It's supposed to be bed mad, but uh, listen to each other. That was good. Love thy enemy with some swords. I'm not really sure what that is. Um, there was some good scripture, Ephesians 5, 22, uh, basically summing up. Men submit to the will of God and treat your wives as part of you. Women uh, look after your man. There you go. Compromise and love unconditionally. Um, <laughs> there's a number of, let's see here, Martin was on here somewhere. I got to see what he said. I'm not even sure. Uh, Die to self and lay down your life to your own spouse. Your life is no longer your own. That's pretty good stuff right there. This was good. I mean, there was like almost 30 different comments. Make sure to jump on there. Don't be shy. Um, Give your two cents. Give your input. Any married spouse that you can look up to that has a great marriage, if you really dig down deep, you're going to see, you know what? There was a lot of work. And there were times you didn't really feel those emotions. You didn't feel like you were in love. And there was those moments where, you know, you had to step back and you had to sit there and evaluate, like, why am I seriously in this relationship? They are not here for me. They are there for themselves. And then you realize, once again, they're a human being. And that's what us human beings do, right? So we have to step back and realize, you know what, marriage is different. And this whole idea of love, it's not a noun. It's a verb, right? It's, it's, it's so much more than that emotion. Because I'm telling you, six months in, one year in, all those emotions are typically gone. A lot of times by the wedding day, the emotions, those, those early camp feelings, emotions are gone, right? 
and you realize, wait a minute, I am going to partner up with you and understand this and hear me on this. The person that you marry, your significant other, is the most important human relationship that you have. End of story. So many of us get married, and you know what? We have mom right around the corner, and we have dad around the other corner. We have our sister and our brother, and if anything goes wrong within our marriage, what are we doing? We're running to our best friend. We're running to all over the place. And God's like, no, I need you to. to it's kind of weird words but in Scripture, but the, the idea of leaving and cleaving, right? It's, it's leaving all those other relationships in essence, right, and putting that person number one. And, of course, you're not sitting there cutting everybody off. We're not doing that. But understand it's that mentality that, you know what? God, you're number one. And my spouse, my significant other is number two. My kids are number three. I know it's crazy. We put kids number three, right? Because most of us, most of us, especially us young families, right, that have young, young kids, maybe they're one or two. Man, little Johnny, he's what? He's number one, right? He's number one. And everything, man, everything is going to be centered around him, no matter if my husband, it doesn't matter if my wife is, is you know, put on the back burner for a little bit, right? That little guy, man, I just want to make sure that he is propped up for success forever. And in the meantime, what are we doing? We're figuring out and we're replacing God and we're replacing number two, our spouse with, of course, our children and other relationships. And that's not what God desires. And so as we looked in, we're going to kind of jump in um, this thought for today. And this is kind of a unique thought. And it, it was one, I'm going to be honest with you, I kind of struggled with just a little bit. Um, it's one that's not really uh, PC, right? It's not really politically correct. We do see this thought and this idea in Scripture. And so I'm going to try to unpack this a little bit and help you understand it the way I understand it and the way I can kind of explain it. And I really feel like it will help both men and both women through this. So let me ask a quick question. We're going to look at a couple as well here in the Old Testament, another couple. But let me ask a question. Who would say, women who in the room, who would say, you know what, I typically can get what I want? Who would say that? Be honest. Who would say, you know what, I typically get what I want? I'm pretty persistent. Who's persistent? All right, there's some more hands. All right, all right, here we go. All right, now let's do this. All right, guys, who would say that they are a little bit more on the passive side when they get home? Right? When you get home at work, you're like a bulldog or whatever, right? But man, when you get home, you're kind of a little bit more on the passive side, right? You kind of like sit back. Guys, we are such liars, right? There's not one guy that would raise their hand in the whole entire room, right? I know, oh man, some of you go home and you're like, you, you get straight on the, you go down the basement, you're playing on the PlayStation, whatever it might be, right? Um, oh man, we got some, we got some work to do this morning. <laughs> we got some work to do. Oh man. You look at our culture, it's interesting because our culture is trying to blend everything, right? Uh, men's roles, women's roles, uh, whatever it might be. Of course, roles change. I mean, you get into a marriage and you realize real quick that your wife's, their family roles don't quite match up to your family roles. You know, and it's not like, hey, this is what you should do. I mean, I know most of my guy friends, they actually do the cooking. You know, and it's kind of intriguing because I hate to cook. Literally, I'll open up a can of Chef Boyardee and pour it in a bowl, and that's my cooking, right? That's the way. That's the way. Quick and easy. I'm hungry. I just need something, right? That's all there is to it, right? And you look at roles, and it's one of those things where our culture keeps blending more and more and more men and women. And we're hearing over and over and over now that there's no difference. Men and women are the same. And I'm sorry, but ask any person that has raised a boy and that has raised a girl, and you tell me if there's a difference between raising a boy and a girl. Now, I know there's some overlap. I know there's some girls that are crazy and fun and insane, and, you know, they'll punch you right in the stomach just like a boy will, right? And I know there's some boys that are docile, and they're just kind of reserved. They're not really, you know, like super aggressive. And, you know, but if you look at the whole and you look at boys, you look at girls, you're going to sit back and go, there are differences, right? There are differences. And I know, like I said, it's not one of the things that is most 
the politically correct thing to say these days, but understand when we start really blending this idea of who men are, who women are, and as we see it in Scripture, what happens? Men, we start, we start, we get to the point where our culture lets us off the hook, right? Our culture lets us off because our culture is constantly saying, constantly saying that we're just doofuses and dad's just kind of this dumb guy and dad doesn't really get it and I mean, once again, we've done this before, but look at all the different people that you see, you know, in TV shows and programming all the way from old, uh, older shows to Disney. You ready for this? So here we have, um, you got to start with Al Bundy, right? Married with children, the, the craziest dude ever. If you're younger, you're probably like, who's that guy? You look at Frank Costanza from Seinfeld, the, the older guy. I mean, completely nuts, right? You look at Homer Simpson once again. You look at Peter Griffin from Family Guy. Do not watch Family Guy. Get that off of you. Seriously, there is no reason to be watching that stuff. Um, Jay and Phil, both of them from Modern Family, they come across kind of Bob Duncan from Good Luck Charlie from the Disney show. And then you have the Nickelodeon, Nikki, Dickie, Ricky, and Don, Tom Harper. You have Paul Blart from King of Queens. It's actually Doug. But I mean, you look at all these gentlemen, all these guys, and they do good things, and you can tell they're there for their family, but it's just they're painted in this idea that they're just dumb and they don't get it. And the more we see this and the more we kind of comprehend and, and, and pull this in, it's the more like we're like, you know what, I'm just some guy, I just come home, you know, I just do certain things, and that's that. And if we look at Scripture, we see a completely different, different side. We see that God has roles for both men and women. We see this idea that's set up inside of Scripture in this godly family, what God would have us to do. And you step back and you can't, you can't, you can't pull back from that. I'm sorry, it's one of those things if you're saying you know, what Scripture is true and you're saying you buy into this thing called the Bible, it's something you got to look at. And how should the family look? And how should love look within the family, the husband, the wife, with the kids? And this is something, of course, we're going to kind of cruise through today. And I could go to a lot of passages on this, but I chose one, and it's an interesting one. And it's probably the absolute worst relationship in Scripture. Yeah, let's do this this morning, right? This is exciting. Who is it, you ask? Hmm, I don't know. All right, so here it is, a quick little bio of our nice couple. All right, so we're going all the way back to the, to the book of Kings, right? First Kings is where we're going back to. And it's Ahab, and he had this, this wife, and she still her name still brings up some tension when you hear it. His wife was Jezebel. And you look at these two, and they're kind of interesting. So let me just kind of read through a quick bio of who they are, and then we'll kind of cruise into this story a little bit and kind of see. You guys ready for this? So he was the seventh king of the northern kingdom of Israel, all right? So he was, he was a king. He wasn't just like any guy. I mean, he, he got to the point of power. He got to the point of authority. He got to the point of influencing many, many, many people. He didn't do that by accident, right? So he was a king. This man was a man's man. Um, let's see here. He ruled in about 875 for about 20 years. He was a strong military and political leader. He was strong. I mean, you look at him and you go, yeah, I'll follow that guy, right? That's what most men, if you're looking, you know, it's like, man, I need, I need a man to follow. You would follow him. So a very strong man. Um, at times... Let's see here. He would be, of course, strong at work, but at home, not so much. Um, if you look at it, his, uh, during this time, he allowed this idea of calf worship to really take hold. Um, morally, he wasn't quite the right person. Spiritually, theologically, he didn't quite get it. This is what blows my mind. If you read through the Old Testament, especially during this time period, because understand this is when the nation of Israel was in a civil war. You know, and there were all these kings, and there was a north and the south, and there were all these kings, and, you know, the, they, some of them were okay, but probably about 80%, 90% were just not good, right? And they were the, 
It's like your history shows God doing supernatural things for you. Miracle after miracle after miracle. And what do they do? These kings just sit back and like, ah, you know what? I think I'll worship a calf, a cow. You know, like, come on, man. This, of course, goes back to the roots way back to Egypt. You look at Jezebel, right? She was, uh, <laughs> they got married because of a treaty, right? She wasn't even Jewish. She was actually Phoenician. Um, she was from um, Phoenicia. Uh, let's see here. She brought her gods with her, Baal and Ashtoreth. I mean, these gods of this like stone and rock. And, and it, it, like she brought them and the king was just like, that's cool. That's fine. Bring them on over. I'm okay with that. You know, her name once again still is like, ah, uh, um, her name basically means where's Baal. Um, her story is brutal. If you read through, we're not going to read the ending of her story, but the ending of her story, she gets shoved out of window. <laughs> that's how she dies. I don't know about you. I don't want to end my life being shoved out of a window. Right. And dogs come in and just, you know, pretty much devour her. <laughs> Worst couple ever. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, once again, you, it's hard to like beat this. So even if you say, you know what, I got a train wreck of a marriage. You know what? I mean, this is <laughs> you got to go a little bit further. So this isn't and this won't pop up. But this is the way First Kings describes them. It says this. Never was there anyone like Ahab who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. Sold him, I mean, like this is crazy stuff. He's the king of Israel who God just did some amazing things for. I mean, like David was the king of Israel, right? Like, I mean, he was the king of Israel. It just, it, it's frustrating. He urged on Jezebel's wife. He behaved in the vilest manner by going after idols. I mean, this man just didn't like, you know, allow these idols to come into his life and these false gods and these things. He actually went after them. He pursued them. I mean, this is vile, of course, the Lord. You look at the number one commandment, have no other gods before me. And what does he do? He goes after them. You know, you look at our marriages and our families and our personal life, and this is the number one. This is why God has to be up there. Because understand, we can make our spouse and we can make our kids idols, right? And if we don't understand that, we don't see that, we, I'm telling you, you probably have one of them there. Because once again, God is number one. And you look at this story right out of the gate, right from the beginning, God's going, you need to put me number one. And this man did not. So how does it describe him? Being vile being vile. I, do ne- I never want to be vile in the, in the sight of God. Um, and he goes on, he says this, like the Amorites, the Lord drove out before Israel. So that's kind of like, that's who this is. So this story today, it involves killing, it involves betrayal, love, obsession, a little bit of crying, and best of all, gardening. Oh yes, yes, best of all, we got some gardening mixed into this, right? You got to read this thing. It's great stuff, right? This is good. This is good. So here we go. So this is... Um, First <laughs> Kings 21, verse 1, it says this. Sometime later, there was an incident. So here's the couple, right? So the incident comes up with this, with this couple. Involving a vineyard belonging to Naboth, the Jezreelite. The vineyard was in Jezreel, close to the place of Ahab, king of Samaria. Ahab said to Naboth, let me have your vineyard to use for the vegetable garden. Since it is close to my palace, in exchange, I will give you a better vineyard. Or if you prefer, I will pay you whatever it is worth. All right, guys, we're allowed one thing that's a little bit, you know, not manly, right? This, his was like, his was, you know, like growing vegetables. I mean, that's just, some of us like gardening is coming back. I know it's like this thing. I kind of like gardening too, I'll be honest with you. Like to be able to like grow something in the ground, it pops up and it's cucumbers or whether you watermelon or whatever it might be. But he, he loved this. He loved this. He was excited about this. He wanted this. It was close to home. I mean, it was probably beautiful. The problem was it was in this man's history. It was in his line. It was in his family for a very, very long time. 
So here's the interaction after he approaches him. And you would think a, a big, strong king would, you know, figure this thing out. And he would kind of go around and do some different things and maybe make his own vineyard. Nope, doesn't happen. But Naboth replied, the Lord forbid that I should give you the inheritance of my ancestors. So he's just like, absolutely not. Naboth is like, it's not going to you. So Ahab went home, sullen and angry because of Naboth, a Jezreelite. Ed said, I will not give you the inheritance of my ancestors. Here we go. You ready for this? He lay on his bed, sulking, and refused to eat. Oh, man. There's like these uh, football halftime shows, and there's this bit that they do, and uh, one of the bits that they do is, come on, man, right? And so I'm just going to say, come on, man. <laughs> like, really? Like, this is your response to this? This is like so over the top. I, don't, I, I can't remember the last time that I went home and laid in my bed and cried. Right? I know maybe you know, half of us in the room maybe have done that at some point in the last five or ten years, but you're a king, you're a military force, you do all kinds of great things, and of course, here is his response. So here we go. So this is, this is where his wife comes in. All right, We kind of see this. Once again, at home, he's passive, and once again, we see her, and she's this very aggressive type woman. And it's intriguing as you kind of see these two worlds collide, and this is what she does. His wife, Jez Jezebel, came in and asked him, why are you so sullen? Why don't you eat? He answered her, because I have said Naboth, the Jezreelite, sell me your vineyard, or if you prefer, I will give you another vineyard in its place. But he said, I will not give, it, give you my vineyard. Jezebel's wife said, is this how you act as king over Israel? Get up and eat, with an exclamation point. <laughs> I mean, sometimes we got to do that to our spouse, right? You need to snap out of it, you know? Come on, get up, you know? And here she's like giving this pep talk, which is pretty cool. I mean, she's like getting up and saying this, but all of a sudden she starts taking authority into her own hands. Cheer up, I'll give you the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Man, you know, sometimes, of course, men, we are insecure. You know, we try to act tough. We try to act, you know, like invincible. But down deep, we do have insecurities. And of course, our wives are the first ones to know that. Right? They're the first ones to be able to point that out, and they know our insecurities. And I encourage you, of course, women, to you know don't expose that, don't you know help that, help us understand where we are insecure. And of course, men, the opposite is true as well. We should come along our our wives and and be a companion to them, a a helper to them. You know, you go all the way back to the garden and you look at this and God looked at man and said, man, it's not good for you to be alone, right? Out of all the things he could say to man, you know, one of those first few things, he's like, it's not good for you to be alone. You shouldn't be alone. You need somebody, a companion, a, a co-worker, right? a co-laborer, right? And so we see this, these two coming together and it's a beautiful thing. And understand somebody can come into your life and really be that, that person that you just enjoy and, and think about if you were married, that thing that you really do enjoy, you, that thing that you're just like, oh, man, that's so good. You know, this is what we do. You know, my wife and I will go all over. We've been driving up by Lake Erie quite a bit. We'll find any coffee shop we can that's new, right? We'll just go and just, it, it might have horrible reviews. We're like, let's try it. They got to have something good, right? We got to see. We've seen some bad ones and some good ones as well. But, you know, there's those things that, you know, of course, you look at a man and a woman and there's things that can complement, but there's also things that can tear us down. And you look at this situation and you look at what's going on here. And there's two things. There's two things that we can kind of pull from this kind of early. And simply this, your words are very, very important. Right? Your words are very, very important. Men, if we come home, the first thing that we're doing is yelling and screaming. Women, if you're coming home yelling and screaming, the first thing, 
if we can just put work, you know, if we can just hang that outside, we can just leave that in the car, if we can go in and those first words out of our mouth to our significant other are ones that embrace and lift up, you know how much that does for a marriage? You know how much that does for a relationship? You know, if you can just simply, and it doesn't even have to be words that you verbally speak, but, you know, a text message, whatever it might be. I hear all the time from, from we're like, I just wish he would send me more messages during the day. And most guys are like, oh, man, I sent like one. You know, that's cool, right? Like, you know, it's not enough, right? It's not enough. You know, and some of us want to go back to the days before the phones, you know, we could just leave the house and by the time we get back, you know, there's no, that's obviously never coming back. The idea is what that, it's that constant, it's that constant, that, that relationship. And I'm not saying you have to be at work and you have to maintain everything else at home at the same time. And, but you know what, at noon, is it, is it going to hurt you? You're eating some lunch real quick. Hey, hon, I love you. And that doesn't hurt. You know, but some of us are, we have so much pride that, you know what, I just can't do that because she wants that. What is that? I can't give in. I can't give in. No, no, no. Because then I'll have to give in to something else. Just give in for crying out loud, right? I mean, seriously. Put the ego aside, man. If she's saying this is what I need, this is what I need. If she needs flowers outside of Valentine's Day, guess what? This week, go get her something. Right? Go get her something. You know, some people, you understand there's love languages, right? There's love languages. I'm not going to get into all this. You really, If you don't know your spouse's love language, Man, you probably should, right? <laughs> Figure that, Google it when you get home. What are the five love languages? I guarantee you, within about four or five minutes, you can nail it down, right? And, and some people, it's words of encouragement. And if your spouse has words of encouragement as their love language, and you're not giving them the words that they need, oh, man, you are messing up bad, <laughs> right? Some of it's physical touch. You just got to come in and just put your arm right around your wife or your wife around your husband, you know, and just say those great words, you know, and just give them a hug. I mean, it's that physical touch that's needed. Some people, it's gifts, it's gifts right? I, I feel for you if that's you, right? You're, right? If your wife's like, I need gifts to show love. I mean, but that's sometimes, you know, it's things. It's just, you know, and it's not like you have to go buy extravagant things, but it might be a simple note. Like you get the old note paper out, you know, like you were back in sixth grade and you're writing it out, right? And you slide her a little love letter, right? You know, it's like that thing that she's getting that's, you know, thinking, you're thinking about me through the day. Words, words, words are so important. You know, and you look at these words that she's, these are a little bit harsh, but sometimes, you know, we can, we can use this couple as a mentor a little bit, right? We can use them a little bit, right? Even though they're, they got some moral issues going on that are over the top, but we can use them a little bit. And we see this, I mean, she pulls these words out and she, he actually probably got up and said, like, okay, okay, that sounds good. And of course, probably went on his way. The second thing is simply this, she just, uh, she just takes over. You know, and it's kind of like, who, here's where we get into it. Who should be taking over? You know, who should be taking over what? You know, and that's kind of where we're at a lot of times in our relationships and our families. And we're going to kind of dive into that here in a second. So here we go with verse 8. So she wrote letter. She wrote letters in Ahab's name, placed his seal on them. I mean, you see what she's doing here? I mean, she's not, I mean, she's writing like she's her husband, right? She's writing like she's the king. Took his seal, stamped it. I mean, she's really working here. Right? She's really trying to go above and beyond, which my hat goes off to you for trying to make your husband happy, and that's amazing, but this isn't moral. And she goes on, and this is what happens, and sent them to the elders and nobles who lived in Naboth's city with them. And those letters she wrote, proclaim a day of fasting and seat Naboth in a prominent place among the people. 
Man, this is thought out, right? This is premeditated, verse 10. But see, two scoundrels, and if you're a scoundrel, if you're one of those guys and that's who you are in Scripture, that's not good. But see, two scoundrels opposite and have them bring charges that he has cursed both God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. If you keep reading in verses 11 through 14, it happens. She carries it out. She ends up killing this man. This is not new to her. She killed many, many prophets before this. My goodness. I mean, this is a horrible situation. Over what? A vegetable garden? Right? To grow some cucumbers? Maybe some tomatoes? Maybe some watermelon? Right? Wow. She's willing to go to extreme lengths for the person that she loves, and that's amazing. What are you doing? You know, some of us are, are able, we, we want to go to extreme lengths for the person that we love, and we're willing to let down our morals, right? And maybe you got married to that person, maybe you should not have gotten married to, or maybe you're in a relationship, maybe that you shouldn't be in, and you start seeing that you're willing to allow your values and your morals and your love for God to slip, and you're willing to do things that you shouldn't do because of that other person. So many, so many couples within the church is what we see. One was on fire for God, and you know what? She just jumped on that train because it's the last one. I, I must have this person because he's, he seems like a pretty good guy, right? He seems like someone that loves God, kind of maybe. We never had the conversation. And we see that, of course, through this. So let me ask a question. This is kind of where we're, we're getting to. Who's responsible? Who's responsible? And this is where there's pushback because if you look in Scripture and you look through the New Testament, and you're going to look at the, the uh, family. You know, when a family gets before God someday, guess who God's going to point at? He's going to point right at, the, <laughs> right at the father, right at the husband. And some are like, you know, and I know that it's like, this isn't, this isn't PC. Once again, this isn't something where, you know, we should say there's men's roles and women's roles. I look at it like this, and this is where I really kind of come down on this. It's like, this, this made a lot of sense to me, right? It's not, this is not about power. Because some people want to look at this as a power move. This is not about power. This is about position and responsibility, right? I, I've been a coach ever since I got out of college, right? I love, I, I enjoy coaching, all right? This is kind of the way I see it in my head. Anytime I get a new, new team, right, I'm evaluating, right? If you're a coach and you've been down this road before, or you played on a team, whether maybe, maybe you're a musician, right, and you had that band director look at you and you're like, hmm. you know what the guy told me like when I was in sixth grade? <laughs> I'm not a musician at all. He looked at me and said, Man, you have some nice lips. You should do the tuba. That's what he told me, right? That's what he told me. I'm like, what? He's saying I got big lips. What's going on here? I do. I have some very voluptuous lips, right? That's all right, right? <laughs> like, that's fine. That's fine. But like, when I get a team, what do I do? I sit there and go, okay, you're fast. You know what? You got some, you got some ball skills. You know what? You need to be up top. You need to be, you know what? You need to be up there because that's going to be the best. That's going to give us a good advantage, you being up there. You know what? You, you, you're like a basketball player. So you know what? You got some skills that way. You know what? I'm going to put you in the goal because you know what? You can use your hands there, right? You know what? You're kind of fast and you're smart. I'm going to put you in the back. I'm going to have you organize the whole entire back. You might not be real skilled, but you're an athlete. You know what? I'm going to put you on the outside so you can just work and get up and down the field. You know what I'm saying? Like I, you, you sit there and you evaluate this, this group of people and you say, okay, how can I get this group to work together the best so that the outcome can be amazing? That's, that's what a coach does, Right? This translates everywhere. If you're a boss, what do you do? You got someone that comes in and you start realizing they got gifts and talents, right? You look at, you look at Hunter, our student pastor. Incredibly, he does very, very well with the students. All of a sudden, I realize his talent. He is amazing with social media as well, right? You want to know why our social media is going up and up and up? Not because of me, right? It's not because of me. 
You know, so what, as a boss, you do the same thing. You look and you see the talents and gifts that are just natural, that are there. And you go, okay, you really need to be doing this. You really need to be doing this. You really need to be doing this. That's the position, right? You put them in a position. But then what? After we start going, there's the responsibility, right? That goalie sitting in the back, guess what? This is what I need you to do, girl. This is what I need you to do. I need you to sit there. You know what? Any ball that comes at you that you should be able to save, I need you to save it. End of story, right? A forward. I need you to do everything you can because the whole team's working to get you the ball at that one moment in time. And you know what? That goalie comes out. Man, slot that ball far, bar. It's a goal. We win 1-0. That's the end of game. That's what I need you to do. This is your responsibility. If you hire a babysitter and the house is trashed when you come home, right? The house is trashed when you come home. Who's responsible? The babysitter, right? What are you doing on your phone for four hours? Can you, you know, like, like clean up a little? Why are the kids wearing their underwear on their head? You know what's going on here, right? You know, it's like there's responsibility that comes along with it. As a boss, when you go into work and if something's not quite right, what are you doing? You're going to the person that's responsible. But at the end of the day, it comes back to you because you're the one that's ultimately responsible. You see how this is going? With the family, this is so important to understand. When we get before God and understand the people that do not buy in the Scripture, people that aren't saying, you know what, that the Bible is their authority, I mean, all the rules go out the window. There really is no... You can't really say anything at all. But if we really are sitting there trying to, trying to think, what does God, how, how should we operate in our family? How should a husband operate? How should a wife operate? How should the kids operate? <laughs> we have to think this through. We have to think this through. When God looks at us, guess what, men? He's looking at us and saying, this is what I need you to do. I need you to be responsible. And so many times, what do we do? We have pushback. We have pushback. We have pushback, right? And so many times we're let off the hook because we think we're not responsible. I'm sorry, you are. And understand when our responsibilities fail, guess what? Next one up, next one up, next one up, next one up. Sometimes mom and dad both fail at it, right? And you see an older sibling that takes over. You know, or mom and dad pass away or they move or something happens. It's crazy. I mean, you hear these stories, right? You see a sibling that's 13 or 14 years old and steps up and is like, you know what, I'm going to take charge of this family, right? You see this in the military. You see this with angels. You see this, I mean, across the board. This is how humans think, right? You think of this hierarchy of, of leadership and who's in charge. We need to know. And when God looks at the family, he's like, you know what, Dad? I'm putting you in charge. Get this done. You know what, if Dad doesn't do it, guess what? Mom has to step up. But here's the problem is when mom does step up, it almost lets dad off the hook. But mom, you got to step up, right? If dad starts coming back around, <laughs> then it's like, okay, let's see what happens and pray for him. Oh, dear Lord, pray for him, right? <laughs> pray for him extra. You know, tight leash, right? Tight leash. You know, let's, let's, let's finish out this story because the story is so good, right? The story is so good. As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been, and listen to this, this proves my point. Old Testament, New Testament, I'm telling you, you see these same themes throughout Right? Here we go. As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned to death, she said to Ahab, Get up and take possession of the vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite, that he refused to sell you. He is no longer alive but dead. When Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, he got up and went down to take possession of Naboth's vineyard. Oh, man, he finally got up out of his bed. He wiped them tears out of his eyes. Right? He goes and he takes his vineyard. He starts 
planting cucumbers. Right? And then Elijah shows up. And when Elijah shows up, you don't want Elijah to show up in the way that Elijah's about to show up. Elijah was a man of God responsible for like half the miracles you see in the Old Testament. <laughs> Elijah was, I mean, you see Elijah knocking on your door? Oh no. <laughs> I mean, it was like, he was like prophet times 10. I mean, this guy was over the top. Um, and so all of a sudden, Elijah gets involved. And the word of the Lord came, Elijah the, the Tishbite, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who rules in Samaria. He is now in Naboth's vineyard, where he has gone to take possession of it. Say to him, this is what the Lord says. Man, you better sit up. You better pay attention when you hear what the Lord says. And this is what the Lord says. And this, the problem is that it's already decreed. There's no going back on this one. This is what is going to happen. So many of us were before that, right? We're screwing up. We're doing things we shouldn't, right? We're not running our family. We're not leading our families the way we should. We're not quite at the point of Elijah knocking on the door, right? But guess what? We keep screwing up and we keep doing things we should not. And we keep putting other things in place of God. Guess what? Pretty soon there's going to be that knock and it's just going to be determined. God goes, you know what? It's just, this is not going to happen anymore. Why? Because you look in Scripture over and over and over, and you see that there's, there's reasoning behind things. You look at like an elder is held higher than the average person of a church. That's why we take, take it serious, right? We take this, this position serious here, right? And you look at a teacher in Scripture is held more accountable. Why? Because you could get up here, I could get up here, you could teach in your small group something that's heresy, right? And lead an entire group of people the wrong direction. It's like you're held more responsible. You know, you want to get what Jesus said? You know this one. Jesus said, it, if you lead one of these little children astray, it's better to what? Put a millstone around your neck and be thrown in the river. Whoa, that's intense. Right? Responsibility. You are responsible. Right? And we see this knock on the door. We see, we see him coming, and this is the verdict. And it was just done. God said, you know what? The line is there. It's done. It's over. You've crossed it 100,000 times. I've given you grace. I've tried everything I can to work with you. I've tried everything, but this is not working anymore. So this is the response. Then he had said this, have you not murdered the man and seized his property? They say to him, this is what the Lord says in place where dogs licked up Naboth's blood. Dogs will lick up your blood. Yes, yours. Yes, yours. Who did Elijah go to? Who did he go to? He went to the king. He went to Ahab. Ahab was what? Slaying his bed, being passive and just not even caring and crying, right? His wife stepped up and did something horrible, immoral, but who did Elijah go to? <laughs> Once again, you're seeing this. He goes to Ahab. He goes over to Ahab and says, this is the deal. Guess what? And of course, his wife was the same. You know, you look at this, man, this is kind of like where I kind of come down on this. This is what God wants us. This is what God wants. And, and, and ladies, please encourage your man in this way. And if you're not married, then this is what you should be looking for, right? Number one is to be a, a provider. Guys, we should be, we should, that's what we should be thinking. And it's not like, oh, I'm the only one that can make the financial means for the family. It doesn't mean that. You're providing anything and everything you can for every single person under your house, right? And even if your kids are grown and they're out of the house, you know what? Still try to do some good stuff for them. Man, they need you, right? They need you. Try to do everything that you can to provide, why? Because God has given them to you for a period of time, and he's blessed you with them, and he's blessed you with a wife that has stayed with you, right? Be a provider. My goodness, set the tone for your family financially. You know, figure it out, understand it. The second thing is this, be a protector. 
be a protector. And I'm not saying, you know what, have that, you know, sawed off shotgun by your bed ready to go, right? I mean, God bless you if you do whatever, but you know, you got to protect your family. Understand, you know, have whatever the machete, I don't care, but you know, you need to be able to protect your house when you need to, but go further than just simply physical protection, right? It's protecting your kids from outside influences, right? And I'm not saying we cut ourselves off from all of culture, but there's a lot of culture out there that is not good. Right, And there's so many things that are influencing our children that we don't even know about because there's another app that comes out and we have no idea, but yet it's like <laughs> way far down the road and our kids are just sucked into it. Right, We got to be on our guard. We got to be that protector. We got to be everywhere at all times as much as we can. Well, that's, a, that's a hard job. And I just want to come home and veg out and you know just you know hook on Facebook or whatever. And I just don't even want to think when I get home because I'm so, man, this is the role. This is the job that God has given you. At the end of the day, be the, be the provider, be the protector. This is the one that might scare you a little bit, but I encourage you to be the pastor of your home. Be the pastor. And I'm not saying, you know what, you know, go and get your theology degree and, you know, go, go and, you know, spend two hours of Bible study every single night with all the kids and, you know, pull them out of every sporting event. To, I'm, not, don't, I'm not going to extremes. We're not getting legalistic. Okay, we're not doing that. Understand, but you must set the spiritual tone in your home. You must. Who's going to do it, right? I mean, it's like so many times mom has to step up, but I guarantee if you ask mom, hey, if dad really took that, 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 that charge and dad really took over doing that, would you be okay with that? Nine times out of ten, mom's going, please, 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 right? I'm so tired of trying to get my kids to get to church. You know, like I'm so tired of trying to get them out of bed. I'm so tired. My goodness, imagine going to a restaurant and like actually saying, all right, kids, you know what? We've been praying at home over our food. Let's pray together. Right, in public. And it's weird the first time. I mean, it's really weird the first time, right? But understand, it's like there's always that first. And there's some things that we have to be able to talk to our kids about. My girl's now almost a junior high and almost high school, right? Any chance I get, man, I'm trying to slip stuff in there, right? Any chance I get, right? I'm sneaky dad, right? I'm trying to like, we're going to school. I'm like, put the phone away. We're talking. They're like, you know, <laughs> but like, like, let's talk. How are the friends going? You know, what's going on? My youngest daughter, they're talking about religion in school. And they go to a public school, and it's unique to see the perspective. And it's funny, like, Elena's dad's a pastor. You know, and it's like hilarious, like her friends are calling her out. I'm like, yes, they're calling her out, right? It's like stepping up and going, yeah, my dad is a pastor. And, of course, she got 100 out of 100. You know, she got 100% on the Christianity test. I was like, yes, right? Also, the Islam test, and uh, she's just really smart. I'm not sure, but, <laughs> but it was kind of interesting as you see this. Like, you know, we are trying as adults, as, you know, moms and dads to get our kids to understand how they should respond and what they should do out there in that big, crazy, bad, insane world. And we only have this much time while they're in our house to make sure that they are prepared, right? And as dads, we have to be able to sit back and go, I'm going to have some tough conversations. I'm going to have some tough conversations with you. And grandparents, you're not off the hook either, right? You're not off the hook either. So many times we get to that point of like, oh, I just get the love on the kids and send them home. I sugar them up and we're like, ah, right? Like, no, please, no, don't sugar them up anymore, right? But guess what? You get to pour into them too. Our culture is so different. You know why? Because it's like, we're like one of the first culture ever like this day and age, right? Where we're at now with technology and, and work and business where they don't really have multiple layers of generations pouring into a single person. It's typically mom and dad, and then grandma's on the phone, right? They're on Face FaceTime now, right? You see grandma two times a year, maybe, you know? And so often, what, grandparents, if you're around your grandkids, oh, pour into them. Man, speak truth into them. Do everything you can. 
right? They're your responsibility too. Why? Because they're your sons or your daughter's responsibility. God has given them to you. I mean, they are a blessing, right? They are a blessing. So dads, that's what we have to be doing. We have to be doing. So you might be like, okay, okay. You know, I, I am a single mom. What do I do with this information? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Some of you have, you know, families where, you know, you barely see each other. You know, you barely see your, your significant other. You feel like a single mom, right? God bless you. Do everything you can. Wear every single hat that you possibly can wear. Lean into mom and dad. Lean into those that you need to to help raise those kids right. Do whatever possible. Wear the spiritual hat. Wear, wear the protector hat. Wear, the, wear every single hat that you can. And God, in his good graces, might bring somebody into your life. But I'm telling you this. Better not, better not to have the wrong person, right? <laughs> than to bring somebody into your life and to bring somebody into your, to your family that is the wrong one. You've got to have that right person. It's better to be alone. It's better to be alone than to bring somebody that shouldn't be in your family, right? Do not settle, especially when you've got young kids in the house, you've got influential kids in the house. Do not, do not, do not, do not settle. You know, if you're a dad and you're just trying to make it, you're like, you know what, I'm a single dad. Oh, man, be as nurturing as you can you better give like 10 times the amount of hugs that you're comfortable with, right? Right? Because your son, your daughter needs it. Oh, man, do they need it. Man, try to, it's weird, but if you're single and you're raising kids, try to do everything you can to be loving, but yet, you know, you know, there's got to be rules. You can't be their friend until they're like 20, right? You got to make sure you're doing as much as you possibly can. And that's why we say, man, my hat goes off to you. Man, my hat goes off to you because you have a hard job. So many of you have to go to work and you have to drop them off at daycare or whatever it might be, you know, and it's, you don't see them for only a certain period of time. Oh, my. You're a married man. You know, step up. <laughs> at the end of the day, you're held responsible. You can get mad at me all you want. I'm speaking from God's word. This is coming from his word. I'm telling you, it's, just, it's all there is to it. So people can get frustrated with this idea that, men, you're responsible you know, ladies, you're not off the hook either. Don't get me wrong, all right? You're not off the hook either. But at the end of the day, God's going to point at us, man. He's going to point at us. So we got to step up. And I guarantee you, every single one of us, including me, has an area in our life where we can step up as a better husband or a better father. End of story. Guaranteed. Or a better boyfriend or whatever it might be, right? Those are those times you get to practice, right? Make sure that you're doing the right things. As a married woman, just do everything you can to encourage, 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 encourage. If he's not stepping up, absolutely you have to. No other way around it. If you get before God someday and he says, you know what, I gave you three beautiful little children in your house and you did not do anything with them spiritually. I know I'm preaching to the choir because you're here, right? But maybe somebody out there in internet land is hearing this right now and they needed to hear that. I don't know, but understand you have to step up. But do this, pray for your, if your husband is not, right? If maybe he doesn't, he's not saved, pray for his salvation. Maybe he, he just doesn't quite get it yet, right? Keep on praying for him. But when he does get it, and when he, he does start moving towards the Lord, man, be okay with loosening the grip a little bit on some of this stuff. Be okay with being all right with him taking the, the reins on it and encourage it and make sure he knows, hey, you know what, according to God's word, yeah, you're the one that God's pointing at first, right? You're the one that's responsible. Man, I would love for you to take this. And so many times what do we do as husbands and wives? What do we do? What do we do? I just wish they would do this. 
You're wanting them to be this certain person, but so often we don't even have that conversation. They don't even know. <laughs> they don't even know. What am I, a mind reader? I mean, no, it's like you have to have that conversation. This is when I was younger, when I was growing up. This is what I really dreamed my husband would do with my, with my, with my son, with my daughter. My, my dream is that they would pray with him. He'd pray with him at night. My dream is this, and see what, through good conversation, through words, what could possibly happen. Where is God working in your life? What is God doing with you and your spouse, your kids, your family? Maybe you're not quite there yet. Maybe you've you got a few years before you get to that point. I encourage you to take all this and tuck it in that brain. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. I encourage you today, you know what, if you're someone that, you know, you're saying, you know what, I've been a little bit passive. I've been a little bit too passive. My encouragement is that you would give that over to the Lord. My encouragement is if you've not been encouraging enough, um, I, I pray that you'd give that over to the Lord.